It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Rutgers ScoutCast 71, welcome to the program. I am your host, Sam Hellman, back with you for another week. And if I had any comprehension or understanding of copyright laws, this is where I'd be playing some Migos because, well, they were trending in Rutgers country this week. The uh, hip-hop group giving a private performance to the Rutgers football team as a little bit of a reward for training camp have a little fun create some buzz on social media privately funded so whenever those how much did this cost articles come out don't worry about it Rutgers Rutgers did it the right way I don't get why people have to complain about stuff like that but heck we're 47 seconds in and I'm already rambling about nonsense so here's how this week's show is going to work Evan Daniels is our featured guest this week. Evan Daniels is one of the most respected basketball recruiting guys in the world, if not the most respected. He's been a huge resource and help to me ever since Scout hired me in 2011. Evan is locked in with recruiting and who, who better to talk to with how Rutgers basketball is doing in recruiting right now with Montez Mathis as the cornerstone of this 2018 recruiting class. But Mamadou Ducor is a big-time post player. Mac McClung, the point guard, maybe combo guard, and most recently, Ron Harper Jr. Evan Daniels and I are going to discuss all of that and how Steve Peichel is bringing recruiting back to where it needs to be for Rutgers basketball. Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan will visit with us briefly to talk about the latest out of training camp. Frankly, it was kind of a quiet week. In training camp as Rutgers solidifies its starting group heading into the opener. At the time of this recording, I would say that just about every starter that's going to be announced on that scoreboard is known. I mean, Rutgers probably won't announce a lot of that until it releases the depth chart the Sunday or Monday before the game. Maybe won't announce some of it until kickoff, but quarterback as I'm sure that anyone that's following these team captain announcements or my coverage on Scarlet Report quarterback kind of is what it is right now and we expect Kyle Bolin to win that job running back is going to be a rotation but we know who the main players are the offensive and defensive lines are essentially set with their rotations linebacker I guess you could say the strong side linebacker is a position to watch as far as someone stepping in and winning that job with another two weeks until the opener the secondary is pretty much set, and special teams also pretty much set. Kicker, field goal kicker, and kickoff a little bit up in the air, but I like Bonagora and Davidovis. Bonagora being the field goal guy, and Justin being a kickoff guy. We'll see where that goes, and we'll talk about that with Brian in the body of the show. The one thing I want to touch on before we jump into. The program is the team captain announcement. Kyle Bolin, Dorian Miller, Dornell Davis Jr., Deontay Roberts, your 2017 team captains, selected by team vote and announced Wednesday night. I'm sure that some were surprised by this. The, the one that I didn't predict, I guess when people started asking me to project the captains, was actually Deontay Roberts. I thought it could be Deontay Roberts, but my projection was Saquon Hampton for that second defensive spot. Darnell Davis Jr. is an obvious choice for team captain. He's one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet. He's a guy that worked his way from post-grad walk-on to scholarship. He started last year after Quanzel Lambert lost his job and depend not lost his job, lost his career with that knee injury. This year, depending on how they'll rotate defensive linemen, Darnell Davis can either start at end or be a key part of that rotation. Kyle Bolin, look, I'm a firm believer in your quarterback's your captain. And if your quarterback is not a captain, that's not usually a good sign for the offense. So whether it's Kyle Bolin this year, 
Gary Nova in 2014, Mike Teal in 2008, 2007. Look at those seasons. That's when Rutgers had a quarterback captain, and those offenses were pretty good. Gary Nova's senior year under Ralph Regan, that was a – I'm not going to say it was a great offense, but it was a pretty good one. And then look at Mike Teal's two years as a team captain, 07 with Ray Rice going over 2,000 all-purpose yards, and then 08 with Kenny Britt, Taekwon Underwood, really being dynamic. I think everyone remembers Mike Teal throwing for seven touchdowns against Louisville that year. I don't think Kyle Boland's throwing for seven touchdowns in any game this year, but it's a good sign for the offense when your quarterback is one of your true leaders. My final thought on the captains is that Dorian Miller is the perfect captain. That's what you want as a team captain. We're talking about a guy that came in in what was a train wreck of a recruiting class from a character standpoint, but Dorian Miller's character never wavered. He never thought about leaving with everything that went wrong. He never got in trouble with everything that went wrong in the late Kyle Flood era. He quickly won over the new coaching staff. And look, we're talking about a guy that, you know, five years ago, his first training camp, he's thinking, you know, I don't know if football is for me. I don't know if this is going to work out. And this is where close to home helps because he's got his family in Metuchen six miles away from campus. He can come see him anytime. That's a big deal for players. And I think why staying home ends up being important for guys is when you do hit that adversity as an underclassman, you have someone to lean on other than your teammates. You have your family there too. Speaking of family, we're going to close out the show this week with one of my daily Targum family members, and that is Kyle Franco. Kyle Franco is the sports editor at the Trentonian. He covers a ton of Rutgers stuff, a ton of local high school stuff, including Rutgers targets. And he's one of my best friends, we talk about a lot of stuff at the end of the show, so stay tuned for about a 20-minute phone conversation there, but it really starts right now with Evan Daniels, Scouts Director of Basketball Recruiting. My pleasure to welcome in Evan Daniels to the Rutgers ScoutCast. If you have followed Rutgers recruiting lately, you've heard Evan's name quite a bit. What's going on, Evan? I'm doing well, Sam. I appreciate you having me on the show. So usually, I was joking about this, usually when I hit up you or Brian Snow or, or, or any of our expert basketball recruiting people, usually there isn't a lot going on with Rutgers, but that has been different this year where we're talking about big time commitments for Rutgers. Is that weird for you to see the momentum that Rutgers has? Uh, I don't know if weird is the, is the right way to put it, but they certainly have gained um, some, some momentum and you have to commend. Steve Michael and, and his staff and what they've been able to accomplish and the, the inroads that they've been able to make. And, um, you know, you look at Montez Mathis, for example, uh, he was all but headed to UConn. And they were able to flip him uh, last second. And, you know, that's a big deal. He's a top 75 player. This is uh, a big deal for Rutgers. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it, it's nice to see, um, and I'm sure it's encouraging for the fans for them to have some momentum and success on the basketball side. Really, my first year doing this was when Mike Rice had that big-time recruiting class, Kadeem Jack and Miles Mack and all those guys, but then Rutgers kind of went quiet in the recruiting trail and tried to go with a whole JUCO, grad transfer, whatever they could get, but this year they're they're blowing up with guys like Montez Mathis, Mack McClung. Is it just a matter of Steve Peichel and his coaching staff and, and doing the whole AAU circuit the right way? Uh, I, I don't know if you can necessarily pinpoint it outside of relationships. You know, I, I think that they've dug in on some certain guys, and, and clearly they've chosen uh, guys that, that had interest in Rutgers and went after um, a couple of the, the guys that, that they've been able to build relationships. And, and, you know, Sam, one thing that I always think is if you can get a kid on campus, you know, you, you're, in the, you're in the running. And they were able to get Montez Mathis on campus multiple times. Um, they got Matt. Matt McClung, uh, Mamadou Dukarum, who is uh, a physical inside presence. You know, they've, they've had success with these guys. and you know, it's, it's not Recruiting is not an overnight thing. It is uh, relationship-based, and it takes time, and uh, the new staff should be commended for what they've been able to accomplish. I definitely I want to get your take on Montez Mathis specifically, but you talked about getting guys on campus. Ron Harper Jr., Rutgers just picked him up. He came on campus and committed 
at the end of the visit. And you know what? Rutgers is not getting Jalen Carey, so they figure let's let's find a wing with a good bloodline. He's got a size 18 shoe, and and maybe it works out, and that lets Rutgers focus on the post going into this first signing period. But but Montez Mathis, he's the highest rated guy Rutgers has gotten, I believe, since Kadeem Jack. Might even go back longer than that. Why do you rate him as a top 75 guy, like you said? Well, I think what I like about Montez is his aggressive nature, uh, his athleticism. You know, he's got good size at 6'4". And this is a kid that I've been watching since he was a freshman in high school. And, and Sam, he's made some really significant upgrades to his game. You know, early on um, in his high school career, uh, for lack of a better word, I wasn't necessarily a fan of his game. And he went to Oak Hill, and he, he didn't get a lot of playing time there. And I think the move back to Baltimore was really big for him. And I think, uh, I'm sure he learned a lot at Oak Hill, but coming back, uh, he was really able to maybe more showcase uh, his game. And he's made some significant strides and significant improvements. And, you know, this is a kid that can really get to the basket. He can really finish at the rim. He's very good in transition. I mentioned his athletic ability. Uh, now he's not a great shooter, but he is capable of making shots. Um, I would say he's average at best from the three-point range at, at, at this time. But I just like his aggressive nature. I think he's got the potential uh, to be a really good defender if he buys in and, and, and takes coaching. Uh, so there's a lot to like about uh, Montez Mathis and, and his natural talent and ability. Evan, you guys just updated your rankings, and Montez Mathis is still very well placed in those rankings. Obviously, you can find all of that on the scout basketball recruiting page. Do you feel like Montez Mathis is a guy that can be the number one, the star player on a team, or is he more of a supporting cast kind of player? Well, I think he can certainly take on, you know, a star role. I think uh, he has the mentality, the right mentality for that. Uh, I mentioned how aggressive of a kid he is. I mean, I think he's, um, I, I think he's capable of taking on that role, and I. He's played alongside Emmanuel quickly, so he's never really had to take on that role. Um, so I, I think that'll be something that, that we'll kind of have to wait and see on because, you know, while he's certainly been a focal point, he's been playing alongside one of the best point guards in the country. So uh, he hasn't necessarily had to be that guy. So talking about point guards, I want to transition into Mac McClung, one of the top point guards in the East that also committed to Rutgers. I believe Georgetown was the toughest competition for that one. What What is Rutgers getting here? Because you see the highlight reel dunk stuff on Twitter, but it, it's more than being able to dunk to be a good point guard. Yeah, Matt McClung, it's certainly the first thing you see with him is his athletic ability, and uh, he is a tremendous leaper. And, uh, fun to watch from that standpoint. You know, Team Loaded did a good job of, of putting him in some of the right situations, and I think Matt McClung is a is very good in transition. In terms of him being a point guard, I think it's, it's been kind of hard for me to see. And the reason I say that is he plays AAU uh, with a um, with team loaded Virginia, and uh, they are they are just what their name says. They're <laughs> a loaded player, and you know he played alongside another point guard, Jalen Llewellyn, and a couple other ball handlers. So he didn't really get to see Mac in an exclusive role with the ball in his hands. So, you know, I've always likened him to more of a combo than a true point, but partly that could be because of the situation I'm seeing him in. Um, he's obviously a tremendous athlete. I think he has, uh, like I mentioned with Montez Mathis, potential to be a good on-the-ball defender. He moves well laterally. He's got good athletic ability. I think he's a peak. Um, that, you know, there's obviously areas for improvement. He's going to have to get some a better shooter. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of uh, natural ability and, and upside there. I'm guessing if people are listening to this, you already know how to find Evan Daniels, but it's at Evan Daniels on Twitter. He's our director of basketball recruiting. Evan, I have two more questions for you. And the first one is Rutgers just moved from Nike to Adidas with the apparel deals. For people that don't understand, how big of a deal is that in the AAU recruiting world? Um. That it factors in that much. I mean, I think a lot is made out of shoe brand and, and shoe companies with certain teams. At the end of the day, I, I think shoe companies are only impacting a couple decisions. Uh, I don't think, uh, in the long scheme of things, that it, it, it factors in a ton. 
not as much as people would think. Yeah, I'm big on saying that it comes down to relationships before it comes down to the logo on your shoes. It sounds like you agree. No, no question about it. All right, and Evan, last question. You've been doing this for quite some time. You've covered a lot of guys and watched a lot of guys that have gone through Rutgers. Do you have a favorite guy that, that's played at Rutgers? Is there a basketball player that you've either become a fan of or you enjoyed covering and recruiting? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I always liked uh, Miles Mack. Um, you know, I thought he was a kid that got the most out of his size. Um, you see a guy like that, and, um, you know, I thought he got the most out of his ability and, and uh, played hard and, and played with passion. And uh, So I, I would say I, I enjoyed covering him and watching him in high school for sure. Last time I asked someone that question, they said Dante Jones, so it was just kind of a shot to the heart for Rutgers fans. <laughs> so I appreciate the uh, the Miles Mack answer, Evan. I appreciate your time. Is you have your own podcast? I know you've had Mike Rice on that show. How can Rutgers fans find that content from you? Yeah, I I, um, I have a podcast called The Sideline with Evan Daniels. You can download that on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. And you can also follow me over on Twitter at Evan Daniels. I tweet out all the the links to the podcast and and then my other stories. All right, Evan. Well, Rutgers fans will hopefully be hearing more from you in the recruiting classes to come. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, fans. See you, buddy. Three quarters of the way through training camp now, Brian. You have you and I have both seen an open, full scrimmage. We've gone through the Rutgers media day. Well, let's call it an experience this year. Uh, at the time of this recording, Rutgers has not named a starting quarterback, although it's pretty close, I would think, to Kyle Bolin getting that nod. They're going to give every quarterback a legitimate chance and make sure that they believe in their decisions. But frankly, from what I've seen in practice so far, I think that Rutgers pretty much has its starting 22 players for Washington. And that's a really good one just in terms of now you can start game planning getting a little bit ahead of things um just you still got to get through training camp get everybody their reps and stuff like that but to be that far into the process tells you a they knew what they were looking at coming out of spring uh b guys performed like they thought they would in training camp so far um and you know that also means that people haven't snuck up and surprised them very much which you know you can look at it either way but i look at it as they did their planning and they understand what they have and and where they were with a lot of players and so it just allows people to settle into roles and it makes sense not to name starters yet because if somebody gets hurt whatever reason i mean you don't think washington knows Bowen's going to be the starting quarterback i mean i don't think washington cares who the starting quarterback is that much not for week one no (laughs) but you know stuff like that it it doesn't matter um but it's it's nice to know that they're pretty situated with that stuff. Now you still got to work out too deep stuff and things like that. And if you know the reason you don't name the starting quarterback yet, again as of this taping, is you want to make sure that every kid in there goes. You know what? I at least had a chance, or they didn't give me a chance. Make sure it's pretty clear. And from what I understand, it's pretty clear. It is now from talking to quarterbacks, from talking to coaches, from watching practice. I mean, we've both projected Bolin to win that job, but I would expect the other two to see playing time this season in some capacity. Running back is an open, was an open competition that Gus Edwards and Robert Martin have stepped up and taken. Now, there will be other guys in the, the mix. You need more than two running backs to win a college football game. Fullback Max Anthony has had a good training camp to the point where he's at way ahead, was way ahead of Brendan DeVera with the linebacker experimentation there. Jerome Washington's the clear-cut number one at tight end, and his position coach said as much on the record to us on Saturday or Sunday. Wide receiver's the one position that I'm still eager to watch. All of those dudes that we've talked about are going to play, but which ones play the most? I mean, we haven't seen very much from Jay Harris at all this training camp. The same goes for Janarian Grant. I think we've probably seen a little bit more from Hunter Hayek and Everett Wormley than we would have projected, but 
All the guys are going to play. It's just a matter of who gets how many reps. Duat Mitchell will get a bunch of reps. Bo Melton will get a bunch of reps. And then you're kind of fighting when you go into your three receiver, four receiver sets. Um, it'll just be something different every week, I'm sure. Just based on A, game plan, B, practice and development. I, I don't think there's a lot of surprise there. And, and all the other guys you mentioned, those are the same guys we sat there during a podcast in April and talked about how you know, you looked at them as starters. So it, it comes as no surprise. You, The good part about it is you know who you have and you know who your starters are. The downside of it to me is you don't have a ton of depth that created a lot of really tough competitions. It's pretty clear separation in a lot of the spots on, on who the player is, and that's where you get into depth and injuries that you worry about when you're rebuilding a program. On the defensive side of the ball, I think that linebacker is the position that you're going to see change the most throughout the season while Trevor Morris, Deontay Roberts, and probably Ross Douglas are the guys that you'll see the most against Washington. That's a position that I really expect to evolve throughout the season with three, at least three freshmen seeing the field starting off on special teams. We saw how Tyreek Williams went from on the bench to starting Sam Linebacker in about six weeks. I don't see why Tyshawn Fogg or Olakunle Fatukasi or Saeem Simmons can't do something similar. Linebacker defensively is the closest thing to unsettled. Yeah, and I think a lot of it will be dependent on packages. Um, How much nickel do you play? How much time are you running with three linebackers compared to two? Can a guy like Simmons cover a little bit in the slot? You know, can your safeties cover in the slot and also come downhill and, you know, is Kai Hester a kid that can maybe play in the box a little bit and kind of give you that hybrid linebacker safety mix? I think a lot of that gets decided with packages and, and development. And, you know, the other thing is Tyshawn Fogg is a really smart kid. Everything I hear yeah. is, is, and I mean, on you know, in the classroom and on the field, and he picks things up so quickly that I think that allows him to play more as the season goes on, and you're going to want to get him experience um, Again, you, you, you're trying to win games, but you also want to get your core guys' experience. And I think him and Ola Kunle are, are two guys that will be core guys. Wrapping it up on special teams, look, Ooh. first practice, day one, I walked in. The first thing I saw was Ryan Anderson kick a ball. That battle's over. Ryan Anderson's your starting punter. It's not even close. And I think he's probably, this isn't saying much, but I think he's the best punter that we've seen at Rutgers in five, six, seven years probably. That's like saying you're the best punter. Right, or that you, the 20-yard field goal you kicked with Mahalotic once was meaningful. It was 35 yards, <laughs> and, and it was split the upright. Speaking of 35-yard field goals, David Bonagorov's, you know, he's going to be your field goal guy, Justin Davidovis. I like him on kickoffs. What do you think, Brian? When I watched the scrimmage last Saturday and they lined up for a 52, 53-yard <laughs> field goal, I believe you and I were sitting with each other, and I turned to you and I said, this thing's going to go right in the middle of the G in the end zone. And then I said, no, it's not going to be straight. It's either going to go to the U to the left, or I think I said the R to the right. And I said, it won't get to the top of the letter, though. And it reached the bottom of the E to the right. So on a 52-yard field goal, the field goal kicker got it two to three yards into the end zone. So when you're yelling about why they're punting instead of trying a 44-yard field goal this year, that's why they don't have anybody who can get the ball there. And thanks to Brian Doan for stopping by with a cameo this week. Brian and I did record a Raekwon O'Neal breakdown as well. We met right after the Don Bosco scrimmage on Wednesday afternoon, but the audio quality on that one was not good enough. As you can imagine, recording in the Scarlet Lot by Rutgers Stadium, well, it ain't exactly 10800 Main Street in a recording studio, so we scrapped it. We will have Doan on, or maybe we'll get Michael Clark to drop by the show next week to break down Raekwon O'Neal and how the heck Rutgers got a kid out of South Carolina from South Carolina 
with the Gamecocks also recruiting him, beating out Illinois, Louisville, Maryland, and a bevy of other schools. But I guess the primary message in what Brian and I discussed this week that will never air is that Rutgers needs to keep recruiting him. It's a long way until that early signing day and wouldn't be surprised if O'Neill keeps his ears open to other schools. With that said, before we hear from my buddy Kyle Franco, we are going to open up the Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag. I know it's a little different than what you're used to, but since the conversation with Kyle Franco gets a little bit abstract and goes a little bit off the rails, we're going to finish out the normal portion of the podcast that you're used to, and then those that want to stick around can hear about a 20-minute conversation between myself and Franco, the Trentonian sports editor. We talk a lot of Rutgers memories. We talk about the Trenton Mercer County influence at Rutgers, and we throw some friends under the bus in the process. But before we get to Kyle Franco, it's mailbag time. And as you know, the best way to get in is to be a Rutgers subscriber. I'd like to thank everyone that tried our three free month promotion. And well, if you're already a member and for some reason you didn't try it, I, I don't know, but for the many of you that did add those three extra free months. Welcome back. Good to have y'all. I decided to take questions from a new subscriber this week. I got this message from Andrew after he subscribed with our promotion. He said that he's become interested in the site based on the podcast. That's why I started this thing. So pretty cool. Thanks, Andrew. And that's why I chose your questions. Andrew's on-topic question reads, Sam, Janarian Grant and Corey Sanders are the faces of their program right now. Who do you think is the next face of Rutgers basketball and the next face of Rutgers football? It's a fun question. Uh, I, I guess uh, Corey Sanders, without a doubt, is the face of the Rutgers basketball program, unless you want to say it's Steve Peichel himself, but as far as players, no question. In, ba- in football, I don't know if I agree. If you're talking about from a fan perspective, then yeah, probably you're right. I think the Janarian Grant's the guy with the autograph line. He's got the smile, he's got the hair, and he's got the kick return ability. Uh, If you're talking about within the program who the face of it is, look no farther than Dorian Miller. Dorian Miller, I guarantee you, anytime anything goes wrong this season, he's going to be the guy in front of the microphone to talk about it from a player perspective. He's the guy that he's the one player that they had talk at the facility dedication. They brought him to Chicago. They made him a team captain. But if you're talking about from a fan perspective, and I, I would guess that's what you mean because you're a Rutgers fan, you know, it might not really click until the 2019 season, but my next face of the program, it's going to be either Bo Melton or Jonathan Lewis. And I say that because, one, they're, they're at sexy positions, they're at positions that fans love to both support, they're easy to find, and when they're not playing, they're easy to find criticism. You know, why is this quarterback playing over Jonathan Lewis kind of thing? But the reason that I I choose these two guys, and I guess if I had to pick one of the two, it would be Jonathan Lewis, is they have that, that salesmanship mode that they go into. Anyone that remembers hearing Anthony Ashnall on this program, anyone that's ever seen Anthony Ashnall, the wrestler, do an interview, he goes into this like New Jersey salesman mode where he talks about how proud he is to represent New Jersey at Rutgers and people love Anthony Ashnall for this and they should because he's a great spokesperson for the university. I think that Jonathan Lewis and Bo Melton both have that Jersey pride gene that they can turn into a sales pitch once they're used to talking to the college media. So those guys are my pick. And of course, as Jonathan Lewis rises, I'm sure that Jalen Chapman and Sean Chambers will become the new dark horse favorites that why aren't they playing more, which that currently goes to probably Josh Hicks. We've seen it with a bunch of people, whether it be Chase Dodd, DeAntoine Williams, all different skill levels. This is, an, this is not an insult, but the, the saying goes, the most popular player on the team is always the backup quarterback. Rutgers is no different than that. In short, if I have to pick one, Andrew, I'm going to go with Jonathan Lewis, but it might take until 2019, which means in 2018, I don't know, maybe they bring in another grad transfer that gets that attention briefly. If Blesson Austin comes back, he could easily be the face of the program next year, the guy with the long autograph line. But if, you know, Jonathan Lewis is 
the favorite to win the job next year. That's my pick. As far as basketball, the answer is also pretty simple. It is Montez Mathis. If Corey Sanders leaves for the NBA or for Europe or for, I don't know, maybe he's going to go join Migos after the concert at a donor's home. If Corey Sanders does not return in the 2018-19 season, it instantly becomes Montez Mathis's team from a fan perspective. He's the biggest commitment since I want to say Kadeem Jack and might go farther back to Mike Rosario. He's going to have that instant hype that comes with being a big-time prospect that chose Rutgers over some other big-time schools. So that's my answer. Now, if Corey Sanders says for a senior year, which would be excellent, I think he should, then you have a sophomore Montez Mathis. Either way, I think he's the face, and I think Mac McClung is going to become the fan favorite. He's a lot of fun. He's got famous relatives. He can dunk. But if i got to pick one, it's Montez Mathis. Let me grab my coffee real quick because it is early in the morning as I record this. Andrew's off-topic question. This is a this is a fun one. Andrew, you need to send more questions. I like this one. Sam, if you are in a zombie apocalypse, which Rutgers football players do you want on your side? I'm not going to lie. I gave this one a ton of thought, okay? I love stupid hypotheticals. I love the stupid zombie apocalypse, and I love talking about Rutgers. So this is a great question, and my answer is, you know what? Look no farther than the Rutgers offensive line. The first guy that came to mind, and it kills me that I can't have him because he's busy working on a career in professional football, is Chris Muller. Talk about an outdoorsy guy. I would never go hungry. Uh, he's a big guy. He, he's, he's a bigger target than I am, too, if it comes to that. But look at a guy like Chris Muller, and he just screams survivalist, and that's what you want on your side, is you want survivalists that are also good people, not the kind of person that's going to leave you behind when that zombie horde swarms. But since I can't have Chris Muller, I, I think the next best thing on the current team is Marcus Applefield from Wikiwachi, Florida, which is a kind of a small town. He and Chris Muller have similar outdoors interests, hunting, fishing, and I think that's what you need as a survivor. Also, give me Jimmy Hogan. Go watch, go watch the Rutgers football videos from the Migos pop-up concert and watch what Jimmy Hogan is doing. This is, this is the best part of this video, and I don't think people caught it. So they're showing all oh, these guys are playing three-on-three -three basketball. Oh, there's some guys are swimming. Other guys are, I guess, having some kind of a dance-off or, or doing karaoke. And then they just panned to this shot of Jimmy Hogan wandering around by himself in a lake fishing. And that just screams zombie survivalist, and it was hilarious. So give me Jimmy Hogan, and also I want Jonah Jackson on my side. Jonah Jackson's a really good dude. He's a good communicator. He's the kind of guy that I think would be a leader in a zombie apocalypse. And he's training to become a police officer. Future Rick Grimes, Jonah Jackson. So those are my choices to survive a zombie apocalypse. Andrew, thanks for the question. Thanks to everyone that submitted questions over the last month. The month of June, I just got my numbers back, has been our most listened to month of all time. Thanks to you guys for getting involved. It's not easy to tune in every week to hear about a program that went 2-10 and 10 last year. So it's very cool that our best numbers are coming this offseason, and I look forward to our July numbers, which I also think were pretty good. So as we close out the mailbag, this is going to be the closeout to the show also, so stay tuned if you want to hear from Kyle Franco and myself talking Saquon Hampton, talking some recruiting. We talk about the Daily Targum and the importance of student media at Rutgers University. And we talk about some stupid adventures we got into along the way. That's about a 20-minute conversation as far as the traditional Rutgers Scoutcast. This has been Episode 71. Thanks for listening. Another Rutgers kind of guest this week. Our guest this week is the sports editor for the Trentonian Kyle Franco, Rutgers class of 2010. What's up, Kyle? What's up, Sam? Thanks for having me. So for people that don't know, Kyle and I went to school together. We did the whole Daily Targum gimmick together. He decided to stay in the newspapers. I got the hell out as fast as I could. But what is it like running the Trentonian every day and, and you still have some Rutgers ties every once in a while? Yeah, it's 
Well, it's stressful, but I think everybody kind of knows that when you sign up for this. I know what people people say about the business. I'll say that uh, the one thing that is good about the Trentonian is it has a local coverage. So what I always tell people is if you're looking for like national NBA and MLB stories, it's probably not, you know, the Trentonian is probably not the right place to look. It has to be. You're probably going to Woj for that. Exactly. Exactly. It's like. What we're good for is localized coverage. That's where our our bread is buttered because nobody else is covering Mercer County uh, like we are. So that's that's sort of what we we strive for is to make sure that we have all the news and and the games and and we're features and up to date on all that stuff. And and we're an outlet for the people of Mercer County to be able to come in and check in on their local high schools and colleges. Certainly, uh, I think Rutgers, with Rutgers' presence throughout the state of New Jersey, it's got alums all over the place. I think it certainly applies there as well. Uh, you know, we've been able to to do some Rutgers football coverage the last couple you know couple years, and and we're looking forward to uh, continuing that this year. We we do have a good number, I think. I can think of a couple people just on our site alone that come from the Mercer County area that follow you know Trenton sports and stuff. Obviously, Kyle's been doing this for what six seven years now. <laughs> Yeah, something like that, right? Yeah. 2011, I started there in 2011. So. But before you started there and before you did Rutgers, you were the pl- pride of Bluebell, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I was. Just like David Osei, former Rutgers offensive My lineman. guy, yep. I guess we'll start there. What brought you to Rutgers? And do uh, you have any good David Osei stories? <laughs> no, what, what brought me to Rutgers was um, we were just doing a bunch of college visits. And uh, we, we came up and we I did with my mother and we did the tour and we were kind of looking at, at Rutgers, and we had it down to Rutgers and Duquesne out in, in Pittsburgh. And ultimately, uh, I decided I wanted to go uh, to Rutgers because I liked the, uh, I liked the bigger school. Uh, and, uh, and I guess I sort of, if you want to call it big-time athletic programs, uh, at the time, obviously, Rutgers was still in the Big East. And I remember my friend kind of joking around with me, and he's like, why, why would you go to Rutgers? Their football team is terrible, yada, yada, yada. And, of course, my freshman year was the year they beat Louisville on the on the Thursday night, and they had the pandemonium and, and Piscataway. And this, of course, was before I was involved with Targum or any kind of student media. So I'm in the stands, like, cheering and, and going nuts and, and jumping on the field. And, you know, obviously, once you go to student media, that, that – you can't do that anymore, right. uh, you know, when you're in the press box. As for good David Osei stories, I remember, um, for, for those that don't know, uh, you know David Osei was a, a, at Rutgers for, what, two or three years before he I, transferred I think, to UMass? Yeah, I think he started for two years, though. And he, and he transferred to UMass, but he was an offensive lineman and a wrestler at Abington High School in, in Pennsylvania. And my father was his wrestling coach at Abington. David actually inter, you know, introduced my dad into the Southeastern uh, Pennsylvania Wrestling Hall of Fame when he was inducted a couple of years ago. And he's actually the coach at Abington now. Right. Basically, what, from what I understand is they, they had a match one night, and uh, Greg Schiano was coming to see Dave because they were recruiting him for football. And Dave found out before the match that Schiano was there. And the way they do it now in high school wrestling is they kind of randomly select who goes first. So you don't always start with the lowest weight and go to the highest. So all the pressure is not always on the, the big guys. And as it turned out that night, the heavyweights were actually going first. David came out, and my dad said he must have decked his guy in about 20 seconds, and Shiano sat down and got up and left because uh, Ose had won by a, by a fall, which he, which he did a lot. I think he is actually a, a state runner-up at heavyweight. I know my father fully believed he could have been a, a factor as well for the Rutgers wrestling team if he had chosen to, to do that instead of play football. Wrestlers have always made for good linemen at Rutgers. Right now, Kevin Wilkins, defensive tackle, was a stud wrestler at St. Joe's. Uh, so, Kyle, you and I joined the newspaper around the same time. We The way that the structure works is you have a sports editor and you have assistant sports editors, and we were the two assistants. You well, but you were like you were like basically a, another sport, a co-sports editor with well, our buddy with our buddy Matt Stein, and I was like one C in terms of the assistants. I was gonna say our editor was just lazy, late, and 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 trash, so the two of us did all the work. I would say I was the football guy and you were the basketball guy. Unfortunately for you, being the basketball guy meant pretty much four years of Fred Hill. My four years at Rutgers were Fred Hill's four-year reign of error, which I guess was better than Mike Rice's four-year reign of terror. But, yeah, I, I, what I always remember was the first game I ever covered, uh, not, not covered, I actually ever went to at Rutgers my, my freshman year was I, I lived on the Livingston campus 
because again, I was from Pennsylvania, so I didn't know any better. And this was before they built the Livingston yeah, campus. Up. It looked nothing like what it what it looks like now. But the first game I ever went to, I guess it was a bad omen, and Fred Hill lost to Jackson State on his home floor. <laughs> Probably not his worst loss. Didn't they lose to St. Peter's one year? I think they did. Yeah. I think they lost to St. Peter's a couple times. Well, I guess what what does covering? I think Rutgers fans kind of go through this now with football when it's a two and ten season. What is it like covering a team it's, that's just that brutal? It's it's hard, man. It, it's hard because people don't want to talk. The, the, the kids aren't like, they're not as forthcoming. And you, you can tell that sometimes it, it beats them down through the course of the year uh, when you're just not successful. And it's not like a lack of effort. Like the kids are the kids are out there trying. They just didn't have enough talent to, to be competitive. And, again, the Big East was tough back then. And I think you're seeing it now. The Big Ten is tough. I mean, the kids are out there giving it their all for Steve uh, you know, for Steve Peichel, and and sometimes it just doesn't necessarily translate in, in wins and losses, and that's my my biggest concern for Peichel is that they can get better, and it may not necessarily show up in wins and losses because the Big Ten is such a, a monster conference. What if six wins ends up being the Rutgers basketball team's ceiling? Like it, it's hard to 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 kind of judge that. Like is that successful or not, considering where they've they've come from when, when he took over. You know, they were awful under Eddie Jordan. Well, if, if six wins plus whatever you do in non-conference gets you into the NIT, then I think every Rutgers fan I would think Yeah, up. I think they would, they would. It's almost like you're longing for the days of Quincy Doobie, who never met a shot he didn't like. But right. at least he was fun. I mean, I remember watching on TV before I came to, to Rutgers and beating Villanova, uh, a highly ranked Villanova team that I think had, what, Kyle Lowry and... Uh, Foy, yeah, Randy, and, Foy, Randy and, Foy and Lowry, uh, Mike Nardi, Alan Ray, Alan I think. Ray, that that Dante Cunningham, that group of guys at, at the rack. I, I remember watching that game on TV, and that was you know pretty exciting. But long gone are, are, are those days. I mean, what they spring an upset every once in a while. They got Wisconsin, and Bo Ryan wouldn't even acknowledge that that uh, that Rutgers did anything well to win the game. Like uh, I, I just don't think they get a they just don't get a lot of respect in the league. Right now, and, and that's and that's rightfully so, though, because they haven't done anything to earn that. So there's a couple guys I want to ask you about because you're the Trenton, Mercer County, this area. You're the expert covering high school sports and, and even, you know, you cover Ryder and Princeton and all that. There's a couple guys Rutgers fans know that I want to ask you about, and I think it starts with Saquon Hampton from Nottingham High. It's Hamilton? Is that the It's town? in Hamilton. There's three schools in Hamilton, Nottingham, Steinert, and Hamilton West. Uh, but he's from Nottingham, which which actual name is Hamilton North, according to the NJSIAA. So for those of you who ever get, see, like, where the heck's that guy from school? It says Hamilton North. That's actually Nottingham. And I think their address for a while was technically Trenton, so it was even more confusing. Yes, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Saquon Hampton this year is going to be a starter He's got a shot to be a team captain, and I, I literally, there's probably not a single person on the roster that Chris Ash has put over more than Saquon Hampton. What? How much have you followed him? What do you remember about covering him? Because he committed to Rutgers early. Yeah, he did. He's he was just such a great player for Nottingham. He's part of their their sectional title team that they won. Uh, I beat Neptune in the final. I, I I'm trying to I'm scrambling for the year off the top of my head. I think it might have been his junior year there at, at Nottingham. He was either a, ju- was either a junior or, or a senior, but uh, obviously he was a captain there, the head coach, uh, the big dog, John Adams, just just loves him. You know, he's he's obviously one of the, my favorite players that I've come through and covered. He was a great defensive back. Played a little offense for Nottingham, too. They, they would try and get him involved kind of as a as a receiver, or maybe, maybe just kind of toss it out to him on screens or little toss plays because he was so explosive. He returned kicks and punts. But yeah, he was definitely the one of the anchors of that, that defense that they did a great job against what was a pretty explosive Neptune team back in that sectional final, uh, the the year that they won it. But but you're right, he's he's always been a kid that uh, I think has been a leader uh, for for his respective teams. He was a captain at Nottingham. He was the player of the year here uh, in Mercer County. I actually shared that with a kid from Lawrence. We co-players of the year his his senior year. But but like I said, he was just a <clears throat> just a terrific kid uh, and, and a great player to, down here in Mercer County because we haven't had a lot of football players here in Mercer County. You know, come out and go on and, and do big things at Division One schools. You get kids that come through the preps like Hahn and Lawrenceville and, and, and Petty, but in terms of the public schools, uh, it, it's hard to go in and pick out guys that have been like really great 
college players. Well, and we're talking about Hampton now. Got to stay healthy because that's been a problem. You know that. Last year was a shoulder. It's been 10 different other things. But he stays healthy for two years. He's going to the NFL. That would be huge for this. Oh, that would be that'd be awesome. You know, the, the other guy that made it out of here uh, from Hamilton West was uh, Demanche. He's got a brother who's going to, who committed to Stony Brook this year, but he had got some time with the, with the Browns, which is, which is pretty neat. And, and, you know, anytime you get a kid from, from Mercer County, uh, that makes it to to the professional leagues. Everybody rallies around him. Like like Malachi Richardson from Mercer County gets drafted in the first round. He's with the with the Kings now. Davon Reed, um, who is from Ewing and went to yeah, Princeton Day, and then went Miami. played in Miami, got drafted in the second round by the Suns. Like it's just it, it's a kind of the place where when that happens, everybody always wants to know about like how's that kid doing? What's the update on on that kid? So it's a, definitely something that we try and, and follow as well. Well, I remember I was in Hartford. I think it was Harvard. It might have been Providence. Two years ago when Miami played and Davon Reed played, they made it to the second round before they got bounced. And I remember talking to you like, hey, does anyone in your area care about this kid anymore? Because, like, I could get him for you. And everyone cared. Yeah, every, every, everyone cared. And, like, again, that's a kid that, like, Rutgers, you know, missed out missed out on. And that, that shows how hard it's been for Rutgers to keep kids from New Jersey in New Jersey. Like, Hasn't that always been their their biggest bugaboo? Is like how can they keep all this talent from the state in in house? It might, but look is look if you're a top player and Rutgers is and Rutgers is one of the schools recruiting you, but the other ones are Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, UCLA. Like which school are you crossing off first? Right. Well, there's two other guys that are right across the river that you cover that I want to bring up real quick before we get back into the other portion of this podcast. They're both from Pensbury High School, which you've covered. The first is Charles Snorway, who right now third, fourth string running back, but he's had some academic problems. Now he's back on track. He's a guy that played in the triple option at Pensbury. And then the other guy has just committed to Rutgers recently, Matt Rosso. They've gone through some changes at that school. He's a guy that's been a defensive lineman his whole life. Now he's an offensive tackle, 6'6", 275. Tell me about those two kids. Yeah, and uh, for, for those that maybe don't follow Pennsylvania high school football, Pensbury is one of the, the public school powerhouses in southeastern Pennsylvania. Always have a great program. But, um, you know, Snorway, like you said, he played in the, the trip option. They called it the ground and pound at Pensbury, and they would just feed him time after time again. And he was a, he was a big time back coming out, of, coming out of Pensbury. Had huge, huge numbers. Uh, had pretty good, pretty good speed, too. Could hit the hole and, and really pull away from guys. Um, and, and then the other kid, like you mentioned, the the, the lineman, uh, going through changes. They went from Pensbury went from the ground and pound to the spread, and they struggled a little bit uh, under their new Dan McShane's the new coach there. Before it was Galen Snyder who had been there for a long time and had a lot of success. Uh, he, he also coached JJ Denman who yeah, went to Rutgers. Yeah, he retired. Dan McShane, who was one of his assistant, comes in. They've thrown out the ground and pound. They've gone to this more of a spread attack. So so we'll see how that you know sort of affects a kid who was playing on the defensive side of the ball. Now he's on the offensive side of the ball, and certainly I think the blocking assignments are different yeah. when you're spread out. You know you're spread out as opposed to being in being in the ground and pound. And, and like I said, Pensbury went five and five and missed the playoffs for the first time in like forever this year. So they so they struggled a little bit matching the the talent with the the kind of system they wanted to play. But certainly when you have that kind of what six you know six six right. two two seven or whatever he is. That, that kind of body is a Division One body, and certainly it's going to be up to Chris Ash and his staff to transition him from defensive line to offensive line. So before I close out this episode, I have a feeling that people that want to learn more about Matt Rosso, you're going to be hearing from him in the Trentonian. You guys cover Rutgers football every week, just like other people, and usually what I like about the Trentonian is you guys do something different than everyone else, whereas... You're pretty much going to read the same boring practice notebook in the other three or four Jersey papers. You guys try and do something different. Where can people find your work or Trentonian work if they want to see more Rutgers? Sure, it's uh, you know, uh, www.trentonian.com, and then you you know you can find the sports tab. It's there. We'll tweet it out. Our, our Twitter is at sports trenton, uh, and then for me, I'm at I'm uh, at kj underscore franco f r a n k o. You won't find me tweeting much about about Rutgers because I'm on. Uh, uh, I do I do the college hoops in in the winter, but that's uh, mostly Ryder and Princeton. We have two Division One schools in in Mercer County. Ourselves uh, do some high school high school stuff as well. But I might be tweeting about some high school football, so you might might see me tweeting about a, a potential Rutgers recruit. 
Yeah, well, I'm glad that we're kind of wrapping up here because I have a feeling there's a lot of bad stories that you could tell about me from all the time we've spent <laughs> on the road together. I close out every episode with the same three questions. I call them the big three. So uh, my first question, Kyle, who's your favorite Rutgers athlete of all time? Oh, my gosh. My favorite Rutgers athlete of all time. Put, put me on the spot. That's the point. Oh, my head, my head is just scrambling. Favorite Rutgers athlete of all time. Uh, give me Brian Leonard. All right. I, I well, I reserve the right to to text you later and, and change that. But uh, for 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 right now, you can you can give me you can give me Brian Leonard. I love Tommy Njai too, even though they didn't win a lot. He's such a such a nice such a nice kid. Um, you know, one of my favorite guys to cover. Uh, so yeah, give me Hamidi. Former Washington uh, Wizards draft. Yeah, give me give me Hamidi. All right. Second question: What's your favorite memory when you think about your time, either at Rutgers or covering Rutgers athletics? Oh, my favorite memory, the Mechanicsburg pileup, right? <laughs> go, go ahead and tell so, the story. So, so this, was, this was like the end of the basketball season, and Rutgers was going out to Pittsburgh, uh, and we were going out to make the trip. It was myself, our sports editor, Matt Stein, Stephen Miller, who was uh, not the professor, who was also yeah, the, good uh, one. the good one, was also on our staff, and then we had a photographer whose name I don't recall, but there were four of us. <laughs> All photographers are the same. <laughs> and we decided to let... Matt Stein, who's the useless editor that we talked about earlier, <laughs> plan plan the trip, and I agreed to let him do it, even though I knew this was a bad idea. So of course this trip included him not booking the hotel room ahead of time and just doing it when we got there. So we ended up in this like suite uh, when we got to Pittsburgh. Uh, but again, that's the, the mechanics were pop. Essentially, we were coming through. We were, we were passing through Pennsylvania, and we pulled off at the exit for Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, and we stopped at a diner. And, and, we go, and we go to walk into the diner, and it says, please wait to be seated. So Matt Stein, of course, walks in and seats himself and just starts, and just starts sitting down, and we're all like looking at him. And at this point, I've just totally lost it. I can't stop laughing. And then he looks at the menu, and the waitress comes over, and he orders a Mechanicsburg pileup. That was the name of the name of the dish was the Mechanicsburg pile up. He orders it and for and I just lost it. Totally lost it. Uncontrollable laughing. I couldn't even order I had to hand my menu to Steve Miller and be like, order me scrambled eggs in a Coke, obviously. <laughs> so so that was a, such a memorable trip. You know, I, I'm sure that Sam's had other guys on here that have told you about stuff like that. But it's just the unique stuff you get to do, you know, when you do student media like that, and, and it gives you memories that, that certainly last for a lifetime. You're probably the fourth or fifth Daily Targum guy we've had on the show, and for the younger listeners, I know we do have students and even some high school people that listen to this. Get involved, even if it's not my the biggest, newspaper. My go biggest to, advice. Go to the radio station, do something, because even if you're not interested in learning how to do radio or writing a newspaper article, you're going to... You're going to learn stuff and you're going to make friends. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. It's where you make the friends you'll have for the rest of your life. It was the best decision I've, I've ever made. At, when I, Rutgers, I walked in my junior year for my junior year started. Um, but you got to get involved. Like Sam, Sam said, it, said it great. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you want to be sports, entertainment, if you want to go into like fashion, just get involved and, 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 and you know, get yourself you know, to meet people and, and connect with, with different people. And last question, if you get one more meal at Rutgers, where are you going and what are you ordering? Big Dane Gerlandis, right? <laughs> we're, going, we're, going, we're going to Gerlandis Pizza and, uh, and getting a cheese pizza. That might be the worst answer I've ever heard. <laughs> Gerlandis is the student center pizza. It's horrible. It's awful. It's so, ter- it's so terrible, but we ate it like all the time. All right, Kyle Franco. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.